In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask your grace and your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us to constantly seek conversion. Help us to open our hearts to receive your great love and to live in that love. Amen. One of my buddies I grew up with, as we grew up, he was a very, everything, you know, boys play sports and play games. He was very competitive. Very, 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 very overly kind of crazy. He was very competitive. And to the point where he was like a sore loser and he would sometimes be unfair in games just to try to win. It was very frustrating. But as he, as he grew up and he's matured and developed into life, he's a very, very virtuous man. He's still very competitive. Then we play games, competitive, which is fun, makes games a lot more fun. The game ends, like goes on, immediately goes on. So he gets frustrated sometimes with people who haven't seen him, haven't talked to him in like, you know, a decade or two. See him, like, oh, be careful of him. He's a sore loser. He's the worst. He gets frustrated. He's like, yeah, I used to when I was like 12. Now I'm like a grown man. Like, I'm not that person anymore. So the frustration of thinking and presuming of someone's personality and keeping somebody kind of locked up in that box. So I was praying with that with, with the gospel. Because this is Jesus entering into Nazareth and coming to the, his, home, his homeland, his home country, his home city. It's right at the beginning of his ministry. Because he goes to the Jordan River, he's baptized by John, he goes into the desert for 40 days. And then the first place he goes to, to minister, to be the Messiah to his people, to the people of Israel, is his home. People whom, whom he knew he wanted to save. Bring them salvation, bring them the good news that the Messiah, the Messiah is now here to live and to bring freedom to Israel. And they reject him. Why? Because they know him. They think that they have him all figured out. They put Jesus in this box. He's just Joseph's son. We know this guy. They were unable to be open-minded about who he may have become in life. And therefore, they tried to kill him. He ran away. So it's a temptation for us. We're sitting here like 2,000 years later, reading the gospel, saying, we would never do that. If Jesus came today and was like, I'm the Messiah, we would believe him. How come the people in Nazareth didn't believe him, I would be very different if I were in their shoes. But in reality, it's a huge temptation of humanity to put people into boxes, to think we have everybody figured out, to presume a certain aspect of people or humanity in life in general. We do it all the time. Think about it. Think about how often we do that to other people. Like, oh, that person's, you know, very greedy, or that person is a liar, or that person is a sore loser, or they're rude, or I heard a rumor about that person, I know this about them. We think we know that person, so we put them inside our little boxes. We do it to ourselves, right? I'm an angry person, I'm a lazy person, I'm a lustful person, whatever it is. We do it to ourselves, we put ourselves, it's very, very easy to put ourselves in that box. I'm better than other people because of my achievements, or I need to earn people's love because I'm not worthy of love, whatever lie, whatever lie we think of it for ourselves. But it doesn't end there, right? We very much presume the intentions or put little, because of certain experiences, we can put things into boxes like, like the church. Right? Think of how many negative stories you've heard about somebody giving something said to them in church. Some little lady yelled at them, somebody in the parking lot cut them off, whatever it is. Right? I remember one time I was, in, I was in D.C. for the March for Life. Every year, we took hundreds of thousands of Catholics go to D.C. in January, in a couple weeks here, to protest abortion. That's the legalization of abortion. We go there to protest abortion. So it's middle of winter, like today, freezing day. We're literally outside protesting. There's a cathedral there, a basilica, excuse me, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. In my opinion, the most beautiful church in America. It's gorgeous. So all, most of these people who are there protesting, 
end up at this church at one point to go pray, to go to Mass, for a conference, whatever it is. So you have to imagine tens of thousands of people who are walking from the cold are coming to this church, and I'm, I'm one of them. So I walk in, I'm in the church for about four seconds, and the person, like the usher person who's like greeting people, looks at me and is like, Sir, your hat! Take off your hat in the church! I'm like, but I'm bald and it's cold. Like, <laughs> can I just, it's really cold, right? I just, I went just, okay. I took my hat off, gave him a nice, long glare, and then went and, and prayed. Now imagine if I wasn't a faithful man of God, if I wasn't a priest, if I was just a person who doesn't go to church much. My one experience of walking into this church is being scolded by a, for something as arbitrary as wearing a hat. So dumb. I wasn't stealing from the church or like doing something crazy, but the church, who should be a place of love and welcoming, what did I get? Judgment. Right? That's the temptation of a lot of people, maybe for you yourself, to think the church is here to judge and to point fingers and wag fingers at us. And that the, the temptation of presuming things can also extend itself to God. It's very easy. Right? For whatever reason, the temptation to think that God is in heaven just waiting for us to sin, waiting for us to fall short of the kingdom so that he can gladly send us to hell. It's a temptation for all of us. Right? Why is it so many times I get questions on the faith and 90% of the time the question is, Father, is it a sin if I do this? Is it a sin if I do that? Why is that a sin? Now, we absolutely should avoid sin. Sin is a real thing that needs to be discussed and talked about. But it cannot be and should not be the focus of how we relate to God. He's just waiting for us to fail. So what happens? We have to have a conversion. We can't be like the people of Nazareth who refuse to accept Jesus, refuse to accept that maybe he was something different, and therefore they couldn't receive salvation because he left. He left from their midst. That's what Jesus did. So when we think about other people, we want to judge other people for being whatever we want to point them as. They're angry, they're greedy, they're liars, I heard a rumor about them. Convert your heart and think, you know, I don't know that person. I don't know their lives. I don't know their experiences. I don't know what they had to go through. I don't know why they make the choices they make. And be compassionate. Be patient. Be forgiving. That's the Christian message. And then when we, we reflect upon ourselves, my own soul. I'm a lustful person. I'm an angry person. I'm a lazy person. Whatever it is. Am I just content with this is, that, this is who I am? I'm going to just wallow in my self-pity and sin the rest of my life. Or... Allow the grace of God, allow the conversion of God to actually penetrate your heart and to say, this is something I struggle with. Okay, but I want to be better. I want to convert from this. I want to be the man or the woman that God is calling me to be in my life as a church. Now, we are the church. You guys are still sitting in the same exact pews you've been sitting in the past 30 years, right? It's just what happens. Everyone's over there. You guys are over there. You guys are over there. We sit in the same spot. You guys are like Nashat Eta. We're church folk. So when people think the church is judgy, they're talking about you and they're talking about me. Right? Those who are outside of the church, they're not part of the problem. So what do we do? We continue to have a high standard of Christian living. We have to. We absolutely have to. In a charitable, loving, patient way. Not in a finger-pointing, finger-wagging type of way. You're sinning. You're crossing your legs in church. You're chewing your gum. You're wearing a hat in church. You're going to hell. Easy. Keep a standard of living. Do not lower our standard of Christian life to the modern secular world. We cannot do that. We can preach the standard of Christian living in love, in charity, in patience, and ultimately with God. 
to allow the conversion of your heart to be, get there. Because God does not want you to look at him as this angry God who's waiting for you to sin or has reduced all of life to sin and there's no fun in life. It's not. God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy, of compassion. That's all he wants. That's literally why he exists. Should we avoid sin? Yeah, we have to avoid sin. But why? The focus should be, I want to follow God with my whole entire heart, being, and soul. How do I do that? Which will naturally lead us to want to avoid sin. Not avoid sin for the sake of avoiding sin. Following God for the sake of following God. That's what God wants from us. So where is God calling you to be? aware of your own self-pity, to be aware and be patient of other people's struggles, other people's brokenness and woundedness, and more importantly, to really view God out of, out of the box you've created for him, to view God who he actually is, a loving father who wants to do nothing except to show us his love. Amen.